Hello, and welcome to Gym World Worldwide. You're a one-stop shop for news about the business of fitness, the fitness industry, and the gym world worldwide. Do you th- I'm Mateo you- Lopez. Yeah. You- I- I'm Mark Fisher. Should we actually call this Gym World Worldwide World? Just, just an idea. Just something to think about. Gym World Worldwide World. Gym World Worldwide World. Like the world of Gym World Worldwide? Precisely. Precisely. Well, well I'm, so a, something to think I'm about. from Florida, and at Universal Studios, you have like Harry Potter World. That's typically what they name the amusement park. So when there's a Gym World Worldwide amusement park, they will want to yeah. call that Gym World Worldwide World, which is why we didn't name it that. Okay, so we're, we're holding off until we have the amusement park. It's called Thinking Long Term. This is a business podcast. Vision. I love learning from you with your future casting. So that's our other co-host, John Franklin. And uh, here are the stories of the week. Whether they are the top stories or the bottom stories, we will leave that up to you. Planet Fitness reports a 58% increase in in revenue. Revenue. In in revenue. In revenue. (laughs) Planet Fitness reports a 58% increase (laughs) in revenue for Q3. And we'll take a closer look at the purple and gold franchise to see if they really are made of gold. You see what I, I heard there? they made some profits too. Do you see you see what I did cuz they're purple and gold and then they're yeah, yeah. printing gold? Yeah. Yeah, it's very profitable. I mean, it is yeah. the color of royalty and money. It's kind of kind of G, kind of baller plan So after that, the group asks the question, can you make money running a fitness competition business? The answer may surprise you. Meanwhile, Equinox is being sued for allegedly, allegedly stealing blenders from one of their uh, cafe <laughs> partners. Influencer Mega Gym Alpha Land reportedly brings in a million dollars in revenue per month. We're going to talk a lot about that. All that and more <laughs> on today's program. Why are you laughing? It's just an honor to be here talking yeah. about my favorite industry with my favorite friends. Tell us about Planet Fitness. Well, um, apparently they make a lot of money. Uh, and I guess people have known about this for a while. Like when I, when I Googled it, I was just like, Planet Fitness makes money? How do they make money? And people have been like kind of writing about them for like the last, you know, 10 years. Um, and I guess recently they just had, you know, they're just uh, making a lot of moves. Uh, they've recently gobbled up or r- repoed like over a hundred of their other franchisees and, and locations and they're they're yeah, making a lot of money. And I am not shocked now that I kind of, uh, think about it, but, uh, John, break it down for us. Exactly. Where's all this coming from? Well, there's like a, a very common saying in the business guru community that, you know, you want to be the most expensive. Everything's the most expensive, the most premium yeah. price. It's like the only viable business model. But the reality is Planet Fitness is showing that being the low-cost leader is not only a very profitable, but also a very defensible business model. So they reported earnings last week, and they're almost doing a billy, that is a with a B, a billion revenue. Billion, billion. Across just over 2,300 clubs. They have 16.6 million members. When I went back and did some of the math, it seems like some of those members may be inactive. Um, you know, that's, they're, they're really like mainly in uh, the U.S. 
So at 16.6 million members, that's like 5%. Like one in every 20 people belongs to Planet Fitness. Right, right. Is, that's like just wow. absolutely insane. <laughs> a good chunk uh, of the population for sure. They did almost 100 million in adjusted EBITDA. They're the most valuable fitness chain by market cap, um, period. And uh, they're buying back half a million in stock. Like you said, they bought 114 franchises. And to me, that is the most bullish indicator. Yeah. Typically, if you're buying out your uh, franchisees, they'd rather own the stores and the risk rather than pushing the risk onto franchisees. And like another company that had had like a large franchise model got rid of it and decided to own all the stores is Chipotle. And everybody knows Chipotle is uh, an ATM basically for the restaurant industry. I think the only uh, more profitable like fast casual situation is Chick-fil-A. Fisher, uh, you like the color purple. What do you think about this? I guess I'm not super surprised, but the thing that strikes me is this is just such a great example of the power of scale. And by definition, the worlds that we often move in are not these enormously scaled businesses because by definition, I think this is how you can have a business this profitable and this successful you can totally race to the bottom if you own it because at a certain size, now I think that I presume that the sheer volume and the economies of scale they have is what makes it so defensible. The other thing I'm interested that I wish I could go back in a time machine is I'm just curious what the dynamics were like when Planet Fitness first burst on the scene and was growing because my understanding is to some extent they were essentially trying to out anytime fitness anytime fitness they moved away from the 24 7 model but anytime fitness in addition to being open 24 7 the other piece of their uvp was a very affordable gym all things being simple it was no frills just come in you can work anytime you want and planet fitness seemed to take the same idea they got rid of the anytime thing i think their footprints generally are a little bit bigger and then they just dropped the price even lower and now one thing I'm curious to hear if either of you have a hot take on is can anyone else get into this market? Can anyone even compete with them? And I'm, I'm not sure just because I would imagine in order for the money to work, you'd have to be huge. But I, I don't know if that's true. I'm wondering if there's flaws in my thinking either of you can point out. You'd have to incinerate a lot of cash to, to hit scale. So I actually put a video in the chat that showed what somebody gets for $20 a month at Planet Fitness. What my $20 membership gets me at Planet Fitness. For 66 cents a day, I get access to all Planet Fitness gyms, 24-hour gyms, 30-minute workout circuit, half-off drinks, unlimited spa services, like unlimited tanning, and total body enhancement, care massage, hydro massage, and you can bring a free guest anytime. That's winning. The uh, the when I watched this, like the the spa stuff looked kind of luxe, which I I didn't know was a thing at Planet Fitness. Looked I kinda, didn't know. I kind of nice. I'm yeah, fancy. Tanning, Planet massage chair, yeah. look kinda, pizza, look cool. bagels. They have a ton of cardio equipment. They're well equipped. They're relatively clean. Like they got showers, which she didn't mention if she has a twenty dollar a month 
membership is that you can also go to any other Planet Fitness Correct. and work that's, out there. That's why that's how they get you. And they also like I guess are some areas you can't go if you just have the ten dollar one inside a facility. So right, maybe yeah, the, you can't tan or you can't you can't, tan, you can't, you can't get, get that, that hydro, hydro chair or the total body <laughs> rejuvenation, which sounded wonderful. The crazy part too is like they like swap out their equipment every five years. Again, if you wanted to compete, you'd have to like <laughs> you just not only Planet Fitness, not only yeah, you could do that. But you'd not only have to like have enough cash to start it all up, you'd also have to have enough cash for in five years. You gotta replace all that equipment again too. One of the things I thought was interesting was so how they make money is they have their franchise fees, obviously that's a big chunk. Their membership fees are also a chunk. I imagine that's referring to like the the fees from the corporate stores, like those clients at the corporate stores. But also I think they probably shave off a little bit of the membership fees of each fran- franchise as well. They yes. also sell the equipment to the franchises. Yes. Um, there's a national ad fund that all the franchises have to pay into. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, <laughs> my, this is my favorite part, placement services. So not only <laughs> are, are you paying HQ to uh, sell you the equipment, but then you're also paying them to set up the equipment <laughs> once it gets there. And all that equipment comes from what it sounds like, and I could be wrong about this, but it sounds like some other vendor that HQ is also taking a vendor commission yes. off the sale of that. Yes. So it was just like when I read that, I was like, dude, this is wild, wild. Just all corners, oh, which yeah. which then it, what amazes me then at that point is like if there's so much getting skimmed, uh, it's amazing that the franchise, the little franchisees are also profitable. You have these, 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 uh, you know, these businesses that own just uh, like 50, 100, a big chunk of these, yeah. maybe that's the only way they make money is you have to own a lot of them. Maybe that's the key. Like if you only have one Planet Fitness, you're kind of – that's what, that's what I couldn't understand. It's like if you only have one, you're getting pulled You're getting pulled from all corners. It's just uh, – Yeah, I'm wondering – and this is final information. Perhaps we can do a follow-up on this and I can use some of my franchise powers to look up the FDD because that information should be available I think obviously if you have more of them, you do better, but I think unit economics are such that in spite of all of those ways in which Planet Fitness has taken some of the icing, which by the way is par for the course, virtually every franchise model does that. They they're make money like seven different ways, but right. in ideally the, the, the value proposition for the franchisee is you're still do even with that said, you're still doing pretty reasonable EBITDA. And or your absolute cash return on investment is meaningful. But I'd be curious to look into FDD and see what it is like for the individual franchise owners. Because I got to give Planet Fitness cred. I don't know if you gentlemen know this, but part of my recent desire to become a franchisee empire person is, in fact, this gentleman named, do you know who Victor Brick is? No. Okay. Yeah. So Victor Brick, this guy's a G. Picture, if you will. The early 80s, mid 80s, maybe. There, uh, Victor Brick and his wife, Lynn Brick, who was a massive star in the video DVD fitness scene, owned, I think- With a name like Victor Brick, you, you could have gone either way with the DVDs. <laughs> a lot of, yeah, a lot, a lot of <laughs> this, uh, this guy is a super G. So he had already become a big industry name in the Ursa world, had already owned, I think five or six or seven big health clubs, like big health clubs called Brick Bodies in the Maryland area. 
looked around, essentially realized that he couldn't scale it the way that he wanted. So, and again, this is already a really meaningful business. It's not like a small potatoes business. And then he caught wind of Planet Fitness early on and much to the chagrin and the judgment of the rest of the independent health club Ursa owners, he was like, well, I think I'm going to do this thing. I think this is a real opportunity. And I believe his holding group, of which he was the owner and COO, does well into, I think it's multi-nine figures. And he still owns what now feels like a relatively modest big box gym. Brick body still exists. I believe his one of his family's daughter, I want to say, owns it. So at any rate, looking at what he did with Planet Fitness was the reason I decided to go in on franchise because I found myself in not dissimilar situation where it's like, oh, I have this amazing gym that I love and it's awesome and a cash flow is like, I'm not really sure how to scale this. So it's interesting to watch someone that was that savvy of an operator. And I, and I would note my understanding, and this is all public knowledge. I've gained this from podcasts. He's not something I've spent a lot of time with personally, that even though everyone's like, what are you doing? This is what this plan of fitness, but you're a serious owner operator. And then laugh out loud to the tune of $200 million. Well, let me ask you this as, as you're starting to build your little mini uh, franchise empire. Planet Fitness is, I think, said maybe a few times. I, I saw a quote. I, they just consider themselves a marketing company that just happens to be in gyms. That seems to be a big piece of their success. I mean, that's why I thought that yes. National Ad Fund was also pretty interesting. Yeah. That everyone has to pay into this. Yes. I think I saw in the 2021, um, like one of their annual reports, they spent, I think, like $240 million on local and national marketing. Oh, yeah. Including Times Square, they sponsor Times Square New Year's. Yeah, I was just about to say New Year's yeah. Eve. It's literally you see the you see. I, I remember <laughs> watching it this last year and being like, "Why is Planet Fitness like, everywhere? Is, are, this is, is a it weird New Year's? Spot. Are you drunk? Do you feel kind of fat? Planet <laughs> yeah. Fitness. Eat yeah, some more exactly. Cheetos. Sign up for the membership online. Twenty dollars exactly. a month for rejuvenation. Yeah. Are you finding you have to uh, also become a marketing machine? I think that this, in theory, that is a thing that any good franchisor, once they hit any scale, has to provide. I would note, similarly, Exponential Fitness, which is, of course, another publicly traded behemoth that owns a, a variety of brands in different fitness verticals, has said a similar thing where they're also very upfront. We are sales and marketing assassins. We work in fitness and like fitness is cool. It feels like good for people, but they are sales and marketing assassins, which at times is sometimes controversial in the industry because of course, everyone wants to throw stones at people more successful. Of course, people look at that and they say, that's untellered, that's disgusting. We're in fitness, we should be changing lives. But of course we would say that they're, everyone's like jealous because they crush it so hard. So as far as my particular brand, you know, we're early innings, but yeah, I, I do trust that these are smart players. And that was part of why strategically I chose to go with an emerging brand rather than established players. Because I think number one, as an entrepreneur, I'm coming with batteries included. I don't need everything done for me. I know how to run a gym. And two, if this catches wind the way that I think it could, I think that would put me in a very, very good position if I'm in early on it, not only to contribute to the brand, but get some of the upside. I'm not suggesting that either Victor Brick, who's a brilliant guy, or my friend who's in on our Orange Theory, they're also amazing operators. But when you have an awesome operator with a brand that just lights fire, it's what Charlie Munger calls this Lollapalooza effect. It's not purely additive, it's multiplicative, which is a very challenging word to say, incidentally. 
Like revenue. Yeah, like revenue. <laughs> profits. I want to get as many profits and revenues again. And the last thing I'll say is, interestingly enough, and, and slightly controversial, but I understand why, as a reflection of the big game that I know my franchisor is trying to play, which I'm obviously on board with, is they do collect a brand fund. And I think a fair criticism that some may and probably have is, how are you taking 2% of my revenue for a national brand fund? There's like five of you open. It's just mental accounting games. You're just playing this mental accounting game because now it's not a 9% royalty fee. It's seven and two. It's still, and keep in mind, this hurts, right? Because this is gross. This is not, this is the gross money coming off the top. But I, at a certain point, like any business partnership, there does have to be, I think, a leap of faith and trust. Like, do you trust this operator? And in my case, I do, but... Um, it remains to be seen, but I believe I'm right, and I cannot wait to share the details on this on Jim Worldwide World as my empire grows. So I think part of the thing that we're missing here is that Planet Fitness is different than other gyms. So the way they engineered the brand was, oh yeah, hey, like like everybody oh, knows yeah. about the eighty twenty principle, Predator's principle, but like sometimes it, it gets extrapolated out to like ninety ten. So ninety percent of like your equipment breaking and headaches come from ten percent of gym goers. Yep. And so Planet Fitness was like, all right, how do we make it so this gym is an awful place for people who like working out to come to, uh, but like a very pleasant place for people who are just kind of like you know, new to okay at working out. And then how do we market to the, you know, I think it's 70 plus percent of the U S population that doesn't have a gym membership. And so if you go back to that video, you could see that there was just like a sea of cardio equipment yeah. because cardio equipment is Correct. like the least intimidating thing, right? Yeah. You just like get on it, you start walking, you get yeah. on the elliptical, but like they don't have squat racks at Planet They purposely Fitness. don't have like heavy weights. Like right. they don't, they, they want to, they actively discourage what they call lunk behavior. Yes, That's the term yes. they call it. Lunk, lunk, lunk behavior. And yeah. they actively warm. kick people out. So people like when I was doing research, you go on TikTok and there's like me getting kicked out of Planet Fitness and it's turned into a meme, right? So people will go into Planet Fitness with the intention of getting kicked out. And these videos get a ton of views. So like that is like actual branding. That is free marketing. Like they're playing a yep. very smart yep. game where they're yep. saying, oh, we yeah. are not for these people. Right, it's fantastic. So, we're uh, we, we're not for those a... people. We're for almost literally everyone else in the society. Clever. Which was Blue Ocean. <laughs> really right? was. Really so was. Listen, I go to a gym in New Jersey that is a bodybuilding gym, and every time I walk into this gym, I think this is the worst possible business model <laughs> that you can run in fitness. Right. Because they cater to people who spend like two to three hours in the gym. Oh, they yeah. use a lot of weights. They use a lot of machines. They're they need specialty the machines. Yeah. Everyone has a gym bag that's at least the size of like an average uh, airline carry-on. What they have yeah. in there, I don't know. Chalk everywhere. Everybody's talking. Social hour. It's dirty. It smells. There's a leaderboard. They just So that was the big invention since the last time I went. Um, they created a leaderboard which is a piece of printer paper that is duct taped in three different places. There are no female <laughs> records because there would never be a female working out in this gym. Like no, no, no woman would feel comfortable working out in, in the Jersey. I don't want to say the name of the place, but uh, <laughs> no, when you, no female would feel comfortable in this place. So like, why would we give them a record board? When um, you say printer paper, my vision and dream for the record board, it's like a dot matrix printer. And there's the whole like rip off things on the far side. 
there are three different doms on the leaderboard. So it's just like gym tanning laundry in full effect. Uh, and I looked at the, they, one of them was like the combine bench test. And it was like five reps more than the guy who won the actual NFL combine. So that should give you like insight I mean, into what these guys lift like. So Planet Fitness is like, okay, this is the worst conceivable model. How do we make the best conceivable right, right. Let's just do the opposite of that one. We'll just have like no equipment that has weights. We just won't allow heavy lifting. We will only have cardio. We will like make it so we uh, attract the type of people who don't like going to the gym. So we have just like this large base of subscription revenue. We're going to price it low enough where it's not annoying enough where you would want to like go cancel it. Right. You know, you keep the dream alive. Like I'm going to get fit tomorrow. And because of that, you're catering to people who won't go. Like after the first week, you just probably if you're the if you're if you're marketing to the people who are like have the least amount of motivation, then or are are typically just gym averse, then yeah, they're gonna come for the first week and then most of the time not go. And as to John's point, that price point of ten dollars is low enough where oh, I'll just keep it on because yep. maybe I will week. go next week. Next and month. every month it's like not that painful. So yeah. you just and- keep it forever and don't use it. Don't go. Totally. So and, Planet and, Money did a podcast where they actually went to a Planet Fitness. Well, Planet and Money, of the pod- Planet Fitness? Yeah. That's wow. pretty meta. Okay. Carry on. Go on. Coming from someone who's on a show called Gym World Worldwide, you know. It's Gym just, World Worldwide World. <laughs> it was talking about how, like, Planet Fitness... Planet Fitness's model revolves around people not actually going to the gym. So they went to a Planet Fitness in New York and interviewed people and said, how many times do you think you used your membership in the last three months? And then they went behind the counter and actually checked. And it was like a, you know, like six-fold difference from like the amount they said they went versus the amount they actually went. Meaning like if they went once, they said they went six times. Right. right. So there's just kind of this thing where like they think they're using it, but they're not really using it, but it's not important for enough for them to like actually track it. And well, so it's a brilliant business model and um, it's kind of blue ocean. Like you have their their CEO has actually said, like, we are focused on um, the population that doesn't have a gym membership. Like everybody else is fighting for these people who like fitness and who, who wants to, to hop to the next big right. boutique, this, you know, this $200 plus studio yeah. membership. It's like we're going for everybody who likes drinking Diet Mountain Dew. Like that is our audience. We're going to lean into that. And it's working. Like literally Listen, 5% of the population has a Planet Fitness membership. I was going to say, I mean, I have a lot of empathy for that because that's the market historically that I've always gone for and always played in. So I think the thing that is the interesting conversation that I'm curious if you to have a hot take on that I know that there is strong opinions about is, is this duplicitous Machiavellian geniuses that are thrilled with the business model that explicitly builds in how can we get people to give us money but not use our services whatsoever? Uh, I tend to think, and I've been accused of being naive before, that in practice, most people mean well. And I think there's an argument to be made for the benefit of Planet Fitness democratizing access to gyms for people that don't have a lot of money. Maybe the one time they go per month is better than the no time per month they would go if they didn't have access to it. Because I would note even the TikTok we just showed, which by the way is brilliant marketing, to your point, they showed a bunch of cardio and then the rest of it was about non-fitness things. It was not, it was about things that don't cause exertion. There was like, there's the, this gym has cardio, but there's also a sauna. And a fancy a chair you can sit in. A chair you sit in and your friend you comes for free. down. 
The last you know thing... how like in a webinar, like the normal thing is like you make the offer and then you have the stack. You just list all the other shit that you yeah. get with yeah. it that nobody actually uses. So Planet Fitness is like scrambling the value. It's like you get a gym, but then you get all this other all stuff that scrambles things. your brain. It's like you get a tanning membership and a massage membership and total body rejuvenation and pizza and bagels. Yeah. And like half off drinks because that's important i kind of go a little back and forth like on the one hand i think yeah it's a very smart business go like make a like any other brick and mortar business where your customers don't show up is a bad like it's gonna fail. Right, like right, a restaurant right, yeah, 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 like yeah. if your customers don't come every day like to a coffee shop like you're gonna fail so like the I mean, fact is, that they're like is no that the we want them to right? like a receivables based <laughs> coffee shop that's so bad but you pay unlimited coffee for ten dollars a month but it's terrible coffee maybe. so that no one goes so that maybe yes that I could see but like like a, a typical restaurant or whatever yeah if your regulars aren't showing up like yeah it's yeah, it's, it's not bad. a good business but yeah for, for for Planet Fitness it's like no we want you to not show up and so I think or I don't know if wants the right word but like just found a way to like you know get you to pay for something you're not going to use I, I don't know but like I do think it is part of why I think something like CrossFit was able to kind of catch on at least initially was there are so many things in fitness that are very bad at making you fit like planet fitness in theory is like it's not a very good service to making you healthier necessarily, especially if they're like putting donuts and pizza out for free for you to take on the way out. You know sure. what I mean? It's like very. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's bagels and pizza. Uh, I saw a picture was literally, oh, maybe the, the round. Okay, so it's bagels. Okay, fine. So, yeah, maybe you're right. I got confused by the the circular uh, tasty treat. Um, so, yeah, I mean you had the same thing with like like that was where a lot of the people were like – at least early on in Cross, it was like, yeah, all these big box gyms, all of these like uh, infomercial like gadgets, like none of these things actually are very effective at making you fitter or healthier. Here's a thing that actually wants to make you fitter and healthier. You want you to come in all the time. Right. It's sort of we the judgment of exercise. the renting of equipment. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I, it's I, like, I guess. So there's that piece, right, where I think it's part of why – there was this kind of like quote unquote revolution is like Nordic machines don't actually make you fit like right. squats do, right. you know what I mean? Right. Or deadlifts. Like you have to use functional movements. Like single arm overhead press. That's right. Exactly. Movement. Exactly. That's the only movement that gets so, you fit. It's not really the brand promise. I guess the brand promise is like judgment free zone. So I guess they're living up to it. But if underneath it, you're supposed to be saying like you will get fitter at the gym. Like your service is very clearly not designed to do that. I think Look, no. this is like this is like the people who are like McDonald's doesn't have healthy membership options. It's like Planet Fitness is you give us 10 bucks you can come use our equipment. We're going to give you a bunch of other stuff that like the value is going to far exceed uh the value is going to far exceed what you pay us, but at no point are they like are you going to we're going to like revolutionize you. There's no like Planet Fitness commercial is home no, with like a not. six There's no before and like after no, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. So like I don't but think it is, that's a fair is, take on them, you know? Well, no, but it is fitness. It's in the name. It, I you mean, could it get is, fit at a Planet Fitness technically. I mean, I think what we're talking about is yeah, like they obviously what they're selling is access to equipment, right? And, and my, to my understanding, there's no guidance, coaching, there's nothing available with that, and that was done very intentionally to keep the model simple. I think the question we're dancing around that I don't think there's a good way to answer is what is the actual intentions of the people behind the brand? My impulse and I am accused routinely being naive is 
you can make an ethical case saying, look, we're giving people access to things that could help their fitness because of what we've chosen to do from a business perspective. We're not giving them the coaching, the kinds of things that for people like us, we know are a very important part of the process. But in theory, and I realize this is, again, me being incredibly charitable, there's nothing to stop someone from hiring an online coach. And now they've got access to adequate equipment. Again, are they going to get super jacked? No, but if they're moving some, I would say that that's positive. And I... I'm generally a fan of even lowest common denominator minimum effective dose of fitness. So I don't have a, an ethical issue with it, but I admit it's, I hope I'm not deluded, but it's entirely possible that this is really intentionally part of this model. It's like, ha ha ha, they're not going to come. What I'm certain to be the case is because humans' motivation is multifactorial. And the one thing that the blind idiot God evolution did for all of us is make our selfish motivations opaque. Just like every other person I've ever met where you can see from the outside, oh yeah, you're doing this thing because you want status, sex, money, treasure. But for the person, they're like, no, I'm doing this because impact. I'm going to change the life of <laughs> one million men and women. <laughs> you know, it's like- With crypto. Yeah. Well, <laughs> crypto is a great example because part of why this is something I'm thinking of is I've had a friend this week just absolutely filleting me who's convinced, and I, I disagree, and we're not going to- He won't stop trying to convince me, even though <laughs> there's no way others can win this, where his sense is- Dear listeners, if you are involved in crypto, there are only two things. 96% of you are fucking idiots. You're delusional idiots that deserve to not have money because you're trying to get rich quick. And 4% of the individuals are complete intentional scam artists that know exactly what they're doing and are intentionally trying to use this vehicle that it has no use case to steal all the money from the 96% of idiots that are too dumb to know that there's no actual value in it. And that's just not my model of the world. I'm not saying that there's not some people in that. I just give people more credit. And all I'm saying is giving credit to the Planet Fitness people. I think they, in I believe in their hearts, this is not about getting as much money as possible, people don't use it. I, I think they intentionally want to create an opportunity for people to have access to equipment. And even the other things you could argue, are you more likely to go to the gym if you're a non-gym person, if you have these other things, even things like pizza that arguably are counter, uh, they're counterintuitive to what you'd want to get someone trying to get fitness. You you could make that case. I don't know that I'm going to, but you could make that case. But but confirm or deny, I, I'm I'm... Happy to hear if you strongly disagree and why you would say I'm being delusional. I'm next on the docket. This story came across the desk. Uh, uh, initially started from an article uh, from Chalk Up. Um, they were uh, in the article discussing various fitness competitions, especially in the CrossFit world, things that have come out of the CrossFit world. There's a few, um, a few of these are actually making some money, basing off of a similar model of what we've been talking about, making uh, competitions accessible to the masses versus just catering to the elites with like a big uh, fancy like purse or a prize. Um, so similar to the kind of the uh, appealing to the masses thing we're talking about with Planet Fitness, there's a few of these that um, they talked about in the article that were pretty interesting, uh, especially since they were following like a similar model. But I think there's, uh, there's even more uh, in the story than I think we initially uh, thought. Isn't that right, John? Let's run a hypothetical. Let's run a hypothetical, okay? So let's say uh, you two are elite CrossFit athletes. You're, you're CrossFit famous, like followers in the tens of thousands on Instagram. And I say, and, and I'm a Canadian guy, and I want to throw a competition, and I want you to sell tickets for me. You know, by virtue of 
Mateo and Mark being there, uh, I think my competition will make money. So I, uh, I reach out and I say, hey, Mark, hey, Mateo, I'm throwing a fitness competition. And if you come and if you win, uh, you'll have access to a prize purse of, let's call it $105,500. What do you guys say? You want to come by? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds okay. Sounds awesome, right. awesome, yeah. awesome. So fast forward, you come, you compete, you do a great job, you win, you get on the podium. Well, because we're really good in this in this. Yeah, event, you're right? awesome. We're and, very and, good. And you're very, holding very a big good. check. We take a picture. You're like, we're most you know, likely gonna win when you, you invite us. You obviously. announce it. You announce it on your Instagram. Hey, I won. Look, all this money I won. It's sick. Yes. And then I'm like, hey guys, about that money. Uh, I'm going to pay you in like four to six weeks. You know, the big check, you, you can't take that to the Wait. bank. I'm going to send you the real check. What? The one that I was holding up? Yep. Yep. The cardboard yep. one? Can't, yep. You can't check that. That I took the pictures on. with? Yep. And then okay. uh, let's okay. say a couple weeks go by and I say, um, you know, that payment I was going to send you, it's now going to be like uh, a payment plan. I'm going to send you a little bit. In September, I'm going to send you a little bit in October. I'm going to send you a little bit in November. And you're like, that's weird, but whatever. Did we agree to this prior? <laughs> no, right? We didn't sign anything? This is... And then, uh, and then uh, later in September, I host another competition. So let's say my, uh, hmm. my first competition is called Bottle West. My next competition is called Bottle East. And it's like, oh, you know, the, the other competition is going to make money, and I'm going to pay you from that. And you're like, okay, that's fine. And then it's like uh, a couple more weeks go by and I'm like, fuck it. I'm not going to pay you. <laughs> <laughs> and so, oh. and so um, that's, that's one competition. So that was one thing that led to this article. Now, here's another one. Same exact story. I throw a competition. I invite you guys. I want you to, I want you to sell some tickets. You take the picture with the check. You go back. I don't send it to you. And then I come back and I say, um, hey, you know what we're going to do? Because this competition didn't sell enough tickets for me to actually pay you the purse I promised you I was going to pay you, what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw another one next year and I'm going to pay you from that one. And um, But I need you to come back so you can sell some tickets for that one too. Hmm. What, do you guys, what do you guys say at that point? I'd probably say fuck you. Uh, but I need the money. Is the problem? So in my money. scenario, I'm yeah. an independently wealthy CrossFit athlete, so it's different for me. <laughs> then yeah, you really a, are in a yeah. fantasy yeah. land. Yeah. <laughs> Must be nice yeah. having rich parents. Yeah. No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a crypto independent wealthy CrossFit athlete okay. guy. Yeah, no, yeah. I, de I well, I definitely need the money, so I uh, guess I have to go to the next one. You're nicer than most because the default response was "go fuck yourself." Oh. Okay, and so. So They're that all is independently what's happening. Okay. <laughs> the first one was a competition called Can West. The second one is the European Champs. Uh, what I don't understand is how is this not a Ponzi scheme? It sounds like that's exactly what it is. I don't know that it. I this, don't know that it is not one. Like one, it sounds like fraud. You said yes. you were going to pay a prize purse. You didn't pay said prize purse, and rather than like people saying hey this is fraud like they essentially turn fraud into a ponzi scheme they're like you know what's better than fraud let's just add a ponzi scheme onto this like we couldn't run a successful business the first time around so what we're going to do is we're going to do it again but instead of having to pay just like 
that prize purse. We're going to pay that prize purse plus the other prize purse. And if that doesn't work, we'll just throw another competition after that. And so that's like the current state of CrossFit competitions and just a mixture of fraud. Well, and but Ponzi isn't that schemes. just isn't that just you know, a lot of businesses don't make money in the beginning. You know, a lot of them. I, I mean, charitable. Yeah, I did be charitable guy again. I, I do see what you're saying, Mateo. Yeah, it's it's not untrue. Sometimes, sometimes it takes five years to make a profitable yeah. or a successful fitness competition business you know maybe you're not gonna i mean sell enough in the first year you have to sell more the next ideally there's a little bit more i think upfrontness with the investors we could argue is a little bit different here because these people unwittingly yeah, but things became... don't go always as planned <laughs> you know i mean yeah you know, there's I mean, nothing to say about yeah, i think you're right mateo this yeah, is we, we let you we let you hold up the check for projectors Instagram. are just a little the projections are sometimes a little off and that's fine you know you learn as you keep doing okay it's so like maybe you two can give me some insight here right because i am not in the crossfit world right so with my non-crossfit perspective i'm obviously familiar with crossfit of course but you know to me the I couldn't imagine anything less interesting than going to uh, CrossFit competitions. It's hard for me to relate of this being like a really amazing business, but you can speak more to the culture of CrossFit. My assumption is that this is a thing. Maybe if you're in a, a box that y'all are really into CrossFit and like the whole box is going, we've all been training for this because we've gotten, we're forging elite fitness over here. Like, is that a thing? Does anyone make money doing this? That's so- part of, no. Well, that's not true. There are there are a few. No, but there are a few, and I'm I'm John. You can go first, and I'll I'll go after. Well, well, I can go first. There is there was a large player in the space that had this realization. Do you want to know who that player was? CrossFit. Yes, CrossFit (laughs) HQ quickly realized that people don't want to come and watch CrossFit. So. CrossFit, there used to be, like, you're familiar with how the games works, right, Mark? Like, everybody competes in this open, and then you would go to this regionals, and then the best people would go to the games, and that was, like, this big deal. Uh, The middle version, the regionals, CrossFit HQ ditched that. They're like, we're not going to host these. We're going to push this on to, like, independent event sponsors. They're going to hold the bag. They realized events is, like, a very bad business. Like, in there's a quote from Glassman in 2018. Um, they lost $14 million just on the games. Sheesh. And so uh, I found an article where they're talking about the Atlas Games, which is one of these kind of, like, middle regional events that CrossFit, like, you know, like, you hold the bag. <laughs> and so here's some numbers. So CrossFit's, like... You can hold the regionals. You can hold the, we'll let you say CrossFit. Um, it'll run you about 50 grand. And then. Which is smart then, of them, by the way. They're like, we're just going to keep some cash and get out, but you do whatever you want. Give me my money. Very, very smart. And then they're like, you know, the way these guys make money, they, they, sell, they sell sponsorships and they sell tickets. But then uh, they interviewed the event organizer and they're like, CrossFit's focus was driving views to the broadcast instead of the in-person attendance, which is like literally outside of the person's best interest. You want to guess how many tickets they sold for this? This is like, um, is in Europe. Like how many people came to watch this regional CrossFit event? The semifinals is like the actual name. 2,000 people. 760. Oh my God. <laughs> 700. With, with 1200 on Saturday and Sunday. I should uh, I mean, I'm, I'm curious the size of this uh, venue too is I'm, and I, I'm picturing the most sad trombone version of this like <laughs> arena with like silence. Yeah. yeah like, I would imagine they're like, like in the size of, of like a tennis. But, 
the total ticket sales was they made 127 grand in ticket sales. They had uh, so there's like they had 140 volunteers, only a hundred showed up. And so like it was like a one to seven volunteer to spectator ratio because like you think in these CrossFit events, it's like, you know, it's it's not like a platform, it's not like Olympic lifting. There's one platform that everybody uses. Like every workout's yeah, like thirty seven pieces yeah. of equipment. They need to change the weights between guys and girls. Like it is a production. I can't think of a more labor intensive uh like event to have to throw because it's like the stage changes for every single event. And who um, is also, by the way, who is volunteering for this labor intensive thing that we can't even get people to like pay money for to go to? They're like, I people love, who so love it much. so bad, but that can't afford the ticket. I mean, I am yeah. particularly intrigued to see that a hundred out of the hundred and forty. So somehow, thirty percent of the volunteers are like, yeah, never mind. It's a twelve-hour day of just like stripping bars oh. and then like adding weight. Like, you know, like even if you've ever done like a deadlift workout, you're like, oh, this gets kind of like I yeah, just like don't like taking the plates running, off yeah. and put yeah, yeah. and terrible. that's all you're doing for twelve hours. <laughs> like, sounds pretty awful. When you could just like probably um, sneak into the like, I would guess a lot of them just defective. They just climbed over. They just took off the sponsorship. <laughs> they came in and sat in one of like, like the fifteen thousand empty seats in the stand. I think the problem with that strategy is when the presenter actually knows every attendee by name because there are so few. It might be a little hard to pull it off, but it's a good. They, maybe they put on a mustache and a hat, so they're unidentifiable. What we've learned here is events, especially CrossFit events, awful business. And then there is a very big difference between famous and CrossFit famous. And um, I guess fraud and Ponzi schemes are okay in 2022. The article did give some examples of lucrative competitions, profitable competitions. Okay. So one of them, Mark, I think you'd be interested in this one. It, it is the planet fitness of competitions. It I have is a called fantastic Festivus. Body. So like, uh, you know, the three of us who are just like, guys who like fitness but like you know we're we're never gonna be fitness uh we're never gonna be like the shirt off instagram selling supplements guys hey, hey what, what? Uh, i mean we could we're mark just, we're definitely we're just choosing be. not to oh well we'll do we'll do the shirts off photo episode uh, later we can't do that we can't do that no. for one of the first episodes we'll have yeah, one mean, of the shirt off yeah we want to be known for our brains not for our uh virility we'd all get together 100 160 to 240 bucks we we go and we do some regular workouts and we're just competing against other average joes like us and um you know we're having a good time and so um the the model of the festivus games is the festivus is like the brand which is like the average joes fitness competition and so they basically license the brand in the competition to other CrossFit gyms. So Teo owns a CrossFit gym. I say, hey, do you want to own, uh, you want to host a Festivus Games? Like basically you give me your box, you provide the equipment, you have a place for the bystanders to come out. I'm going to provide the workout, the tracking software, the podium, the prizes, the, all the other, and then we split the revenue. And so that's the whole um, that's the whole thing. So very little risk for Festivus, very little risk for the CrossFit owner, dependent on people signing up, not dependent on uh, sponsors but or, or spectators. Well, just that also, yeah. I mean, the 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 part that's like why I think the pro level is less and less appealing is because yeah, like it's you're never gonna kind of when we were talking about pickleball last time or last week or. If no one watches that one, we talked about pickleball 
the three of us at length. And like, what's cool about that is like, you know, the sport I'm the the game John and I play on the court is pretty much the same game as the pros are playing. The rules are the same. The rackets are the same. The court's the same. You know, with CrossFit, it's like, yeah, you can scale the workout down, but then at, at a certain point, it's like the workout I'm doing is not right. anywhere near what the workout the pros it's are like. Normal. The game I'm playing is no longer the same game that the pros are play, playing, right? So yeah, and I think that the spectator problem this solves kind of both of it because. When you do like an in-house competition, you know, you don't have to worry about spec. Like the participants are also acting as the spectators, right? You go in your heat. Yep. The other people go in the next heat. You're then the spectator for that heat. Like it's just a more fun community vibe, you know. Um, so it kind of solves the spectator participant problem because you, they're acting as both when it's a local gym. Um, and so they claim this was like a, you know. Whenever I read like successful or you know, profitable <laughs> in the fitness industry, like you, you have to take that in a grain of salt be, with a grain of salt because it's very different. Like like what success is in fitness versus the rest of business is very different. Right, right, right. Um, like the article said, all in all, uh, like they said this one event at 132 gyms generated 600,000 in revenue. And I was like, oh, that's pretty good. But then I remembered some of the costs and the split. And I was like, I wonder, uh, let me look up the owner. And so I went to their Facebook page and I, you know, I figured it would be like, Hey, I own this competition and we do well. And there'd be photos of them in their Lambo. Um, but it turns out that like she lists three jobs. One is a barista. The other one is an active rare rep. And the third one is a trainer at the CrossFit gym. So she doesn't even mention this, uh, this job in her series of jobs. So it leads me to believe that like profitable, but not like life changing profitable. Right. Like, I don't think like, right. you know, if you're, if you're Jeff Bezos, uh, when you're, when you're the CEO of Amazon, you don't list, uh, you know, some of your nonprofit work as your main title, you know, you kind of lead with, you kind of lead with the thing that is the most important. Speaking of baristas, uh, there's some trouble in the world of, uh, I guess, fitness cafes, particularly a former cafe vendor is suing Equinox for, uh, quote unquote, mismanagement and theft. Apparently, there's this individual, uh, Brent Rogers, who managed several of the juice presses at the Equinox Cafe locations. And there was some uh, issues with you know, during COVID with the closures and reopening, closures, reopening, it sounds like they kicked him out and kept his uh, blenders and he's upset about it. Allegedly. allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. 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 Yeah, yeah, allegedly. So the story, like, I think it's important to note that these are equinoxes in Texas. And, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yes. And this I left that part out. Yes. It is in Texas. COVID. Yes. Yes. So well, I said the COVID thing, but yes. Yeah. But so presumably Texas reopened faster than other states. They had people come yes. back. He alleged that people weren't coming back. Equinox just kept charging people instead of like, you know, uh, you asked to freeze. I keep charging you. And people would send emails. They would still keep charging. He, they demanded that uh, he open up his juice place and just sat there. It's not selling juices because it's the middle of COVID. Um, and he sent out an email stating his displeasure and how he didn't like the way Equinox was allegedly charging people when their memberships were frozen. And then Equinox did not like that. 
so they locked up all his juice cafes <laughs> and so he snuck into equinox the following day and anything oh, that he wasn't... took the blenders out yes yeah, yeah. so they ca- they caged the juice prep they, they caged uh the juice as operation does, as one does and then he was, you know, sticking his hands through the bar, stealing the blenders, I'll trying get to get one. his hands on it. I'll get two, and I can't reach the third, but oh. Oh. And then, I will so write now, an angry email. No, he sued him in small claims. He, sent a, he sued him and said, give me my blenders back. And Equinox says, hey, you broke your lease. These blenders are right. ours. Yes, he said, yeah, he, yeah, he didn't pay the, the rent. Yeah. I mean, the the first thing that just strikes me kind of strange about this story, it seems like the inciting uh, incident that Equinox then decided to shut this fellow out, kick out all the employees and steal all his equipment <coughs> was ostensibly this gentleman wrote an irate email about Equinox <laughs> mismanaging and not taking good care of their members. So the way I'm reading this, it seems so like... So he's a hero. Yeah, he's, he's a hero. A hero. He, uh, this is he's what it sounds hero. like he's saying. He's like, I bravely stood up to the corporate Goliath and I said, hey, you keep taking the money out of these people's pockets and they're out there hurting. They don't have money, it's COVID, and you're charging them for something that they can't use. And it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with my business per se, but just generally speaking, what you're doing is wrong, even though, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with me. I just think it's incorrect. And then Equinox well, that's like, the we don't I... take your criticism seriously. We're taking your blunders. Fuck you. Well, that's the that's the part I don't really get too. It's like, uh, oh wait, so they they said they were open, but they were. Oh, I see. So they were said they were open and charging people, but people were just not going because it was so locked down. And I... then he was there being like, oh, we're open, so I can sell juice now. And then wasn't able to sell juice. Is that? Well, Right, they're like open, open up the juice bars. The gym's open, and he did, and nobody came, and he lost a bunch of money. And he's like, I see. And he sees Equinox. He's like, Equinox is making money. They're just charging people. They say, I don't charge. Yes, it's, they're, you know, yes. they're making money because they're charging people. The people are saying, don't charge saying me, but yes. they're allegedly still charging them. And I sell juice a la carte. I don't have that juice subscription. Yeah, I don't. I don't get any of that. That those membership dues you're still collecting. Yeah, I'm struggling. You know. Deborah's yeah. got to come to work and make the juices during COVID. I got to pay her more. Like you know, presumably it was a very difficult operating environment. And said this guy owned eight of them, so it wasn't like just him. Like it's an operation. So the small claims things got dismissed, and so this has turned into a larger lawsuit. And and to your because they point, countersued, right? Yes, 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 yes. And so he sees himself like this is now a moral crusade. Like right, he, in the article, right. he said. Equinox is a morally bankrupt company. I've seen the way they treat their employees, members, and would constantly lie. Its culture is rough, as you can see from countless lawsuits from employees, landlords, and vendors. Federal court will set a precedent so this demonic company will not be allowed to take advantage of small business owners again. Demonic. Uh, demonic. I mean, that's... Yeah, and so that put me into... Ooh. You mean the devil runs Equinox? Maybe the problem is Lucifer. Have you thought about that? And, and just for people who are unfamiliar, like Equinox owns uh, SoulCycle and they own Blink as well. Yes. Um, and, you know, the, there are a bunch of different large, massive, uh, yes. evil corp type entities that own Equinox. And also of note, they are owned by, in turn, a larger company. Uh, "Quote unquote evil corporate entity." Uh, I think it's related, right? The real estate company that owns Equinox. Yeah, but they're like other P firms. Like, so they were on the like. I, I looked at an article in the pro bankruptcy distress section of the Wall Street Journal oh, uh, that was published guy. last year, 
And so, yeah, it looks like they had to raise a bunch of different funding. There are other people who own it now. Um, as as late as last year, they were losing forty six million a quarter. Um, there, like, there are there there's merit in what this guy said. Like, there is a lawsuit right now for one of their Blinken SoulCycle right, locations right. in New York, Five Bryant Park. Apparently, Equinox hasn't paid rent since April of 2020, so they're five million behind. Uh, there is a bunch of there is a class action lawsuit in California because uh, they're just like not following labor laws. There had been a previous class action lawsuit that they settled in 2014 for breaking a bunch of labor laws. Um, so. You know, I don't know if everything he's saying is true, but uh, it, it definitely there is a history of lawsuits across, yes. uh, uh, you know, with Equinox as one of the parties. It sounds Fish- like Brent Rogers is a national treasure and he should be protected at all costs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, particularly because That's if you're taking like on Lucifer, we better have some round the clock protection. I uh, mean, he's fighting the demons. <laughs> He's fighting the demonic powers. You need to get him like a, a food taster like the king in the olden days. Taste the food. It's like, nope, no cyanide yeah. in this that I know of, boss. Enjoy. Bon appetit. You gotta give him, make sure he's got holy water, you know, in the, his water bottles. Like, he's got to be ready to rock and roll this guy. <laughs> speaking of Texas gyms, speaking of large Texas gyms, uh, let's talk about Athelance. So, recently, let me just pull up this clip right here. Um, Christian Guzman, his name is Christian Guzman, right? <laughs> Christian Guzman uh, had, uh, it was recently on a little TikTok. Let me just play this real quick. What's your total gross revenue from Alpha Land per month? You want me to tell you what I thought it was going to be? Sure. I thought that in a year, the first year, I thought we were going to be able to hit four to five mil total revenue. Why did they have total, total over the course of the whole year? Alpha Land Gym, before we moved to Alpha Land, was doing 900 to 1.1. So I thought we could four exit. Okay, we're on track so for 11 to 12 <laughs> this year. So you're doing almost a mil a month. A month. Cool, dude. That's tight, bro. The one dude, the the interviewer was drinking a white claw, which is something I uh, we should be doing for every one yeah. of these. I mean, nine a.m. White Claw should it be White um, Claws, Jim Worldwide World by Planet Fitness. Yes, we'll see. We can have Planet Fitness. Fitness and White Claw can have a bidding war. Apparently, he's a, a an OG bodybuilding YouTuber, from what I understand. Huh. Uh, like he he like there's. I went and distorted his videos by popularity, and there's one from like 2012, and he's like, or maybe not 2012, but he's like, like the title, like how a teen bodybuilder gets fucking shredded arms, and it's just like him just doing like his like one of these, and then like one of these, and then like another one of these, and he's just narrating over it. It's got like 1.4 million views, like it's just like a lot of views, um, and so he's just I guess one of the original just bodybuilder YouTuber dudes, um, who. Uh, grew in popularity from his channel, um, then was able to leverage that into a successful, I think, uh, uh, clothing brand. Uh, so Alphalete is the clothing brand. And then from there, spin that off and are also use that to uh, do an energy drink brand. Like, you know, you basically just do that, I guess, once you're a YouTuber. It's retail merch and then some kind of consumable. And... Um, Opened up his gym, Alpha Elite Gym, in Texas, and yes, <laughs> Alpha World. So is Alpha Elite Gym was the gym. It was it's smaller. It also looked pretty sick. Um, had like turf, like looks cool. And then I think it's next to or maybe part of Alpha Land now, actually, mm. um, which is this massive uh, 
essentially like dest- fitness destination is kind of what I would call it. And there's another video that he did um, where it's how much does Alphaland make? And uh, this was the first because I saw that that TikTok one. And this video is older, right? This video is from like April or May of this year. And I think that TikTok where he's now almost done the whole year. Now he's saying he's making like a million a month or whatever. So he has this this other video where it's how much does how much money does Alphaland make? So the thirty minute video, god damn it, he doesn't start talking about <laughs> how much they make until we're twenty minutes in. And I was so I was I so can't I wanted wait to kill myself. I'm a YouTube celebrity so I can do videos <laughs> and just talk about whatever I want in spite of the headline. It's and the whole first twenty me. minutes is just like a branding exercise of like look at how busy Christian Guzman is. Look at how much work he does. And how much he hustles, oh, just hustle, mindset, mindset. He's just like him with his bros. He's walking to Alpha Lane. He's walking around. He, and then it's just, it's like the video, the first one shot, it's like the, the guy taking the video is like very far away. But obviously, Christian's mic'd up. He's like walking with like one of his management. Like, okay, yeah, we actually need to like move a painting here. Like this, this wall is like kind of bland. And he's rolling out. And then he like walks and then t- goes upstairs and talks to the other guy with like the clothing place. And it's just him just doing things. And just like, then he's got, then there's this one shot where there's a camera like on his chest and he's holding an iPad, just like scrolling and like looking at diagrams of something. So it's like a first person shooter, like a video game shot of him just walking around. Like, it's just like, okay, someone had to strap a GoPro to his chest just for this one minute sequence of him walking around. It's amazing. You know what but, else was Alpha Teo? Yeah. His timing on this whole thing. This man, I watched another video titled Alpha Land Gave Me $7.7 Million where he talked for 25 minutes before he started talking about how Alpha Land gave him $7.7 million. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he bought the building um, around February 2020. So like right. literally right before COVID was a thing. And so he bought it for $8.5 put a million into it. So $9.5 in. And then fast forward to today, uh, it appraised at $17 million. So he's, uh, you know, 7.35 million above water on this thing. Um, and the video is all about how he took a line of credit against Alpha Land so he could use that to buy more merch and buy more energy drinks and, and basically use it as like this effective facility. But yeah, fame is an amazing business model. And this guy played it so smart buying like yeah. hard assets at the best possible time and just turn right. this gym into this like amazing destination place for like if you're into making fitness content and shooting videos and being around attractive people and like who wouldn't that sounds awesome right so like if i had that... an extra hundred pounds of muscle i would be at alpha land all the time so um, yeah he has this real estate holding company and i imagine that's where the wealth is being created kind of to your point um and and another thing, the, the destination part. So in that video, obviously this is like the first half of the year, so he didn't have enough data. But he went and broke it down um, for January, uh, February, March, and April. So on average, I, and then I calculated all of gave averages. So on average, he was bringing in 179000 a month in recurring uh, membership revenue, uh, revenue from recurring memberships. But concessions and day passes, he lumped those together. That's 195000 a month on average. Okay. So like he was saying that day passes are just like making up this massive chunk of <laughs> revenue and it's just people flying in to go <laughs> work out and then take the picture and then leave. But obviously the big money maker was retail. It's 314,000, 314,000 a month 
in on average that first half of the month in retail. He then, you know, uh, the trainers then rent space from him. That's like on like he's he said he wants to cap that out like around 20k a month. And then Alpha Eats, which I imagine is a meal plan. I don't know. I'm, I'm just guessing. Fifty four thousand a month on average. Um, but yeah, retail being Good the biggest money maker was first of all astounding, and then concessions and day passes being the second biggest was wild. Um, I mean, and it, if you think about it, yeah, it's it's basically like just creating like a casino or like um, you know some kind of like amusement park. And or like a casino where instead of playing at the craps table, you're gonna like work out and then you're gonna go and shop. It's essentially like a mini mall. You like yeah. go to like yeah. It's sort of like what the, our the smoothie bar that's upstairs when we have Gym World Wide World, right? <laughs> or the thing. cafe downstairs, or the you know the Alpha Eats over on that corner. Yeah. You walk around and do all that, and then you walk around and go to all like the different places to buy his merch, his athletic wear. So like it's crazy. I mean, it's also I'm just thinking through because do you know offhand what the square footage of this place is? I mean, it's, it's got like thirty thousand. Yeah, I mean, it's like a big box gym situation. Because I got to say, in, in the grand scheme of big box gyms, my understanding is, I'm listen. I'm not knocking. This is incredible. But my understanding is, those facilities, you're really a thirty thousand square foot facility. You can do twenty, thirty million dollars. Like that could be wrong. Yes, completely um, overestimating that. But you know, the couple of things that strike me is that's you know, and this was early in the year to your point. So soon, presumably, it's growing. So first of all, yeah. dude's a G. Right, no doubt, dude is a G. Dude definitely leveraged like the YouTube thing and then flipped in this other asset, which is this actually sellable non-personal brand thing that he leveraged his channel and platform to build, which is super awesome and very impressive. Two, if they're doing, let's say call it 200K per month in passes and concessions, I was looking on the website, the passes are like $25 a day. It's not like they're like bucks. $200. So you have to sell a lot of $25 passes. A lot of people. To get 200000 Though admittedly, you're right. This concessions is this Unless it's weighted to concessions. I imagine I it's weighted heavier that I, way. I know we're but... maybe not clear on what the concessions are. But, you know, the other thing too that, again, I don't know uh, the world of this type of retail. But if merchandise is over $10,000 a day. I'm just imagining what that's like. Is there like a, a merchandise store that's like a Lululemony kind of thing where there's just a line it's gotta of buying? Yes, yes. Well, it's I like guess... a Lululemon store of his stuff in the gym. But Probably I was saying, like, paying is Alpha Elite included? Like, is that his clothing brand sales? So the three hundred thousand? No, it's other people. Also, he has partners. Okay. That right, right. It makes sense. does that include his? Like, is is the clothing brand that he has bucketed separate? From that three hundred thousand, I think so because I think he's, or I'm assuming he sells his own merch in there. But I know in the video he said there are other vendors that he takes a cut of their yeah. stuff in there. Also, I mean it's it's fascinating because again you do the math that let's say on average people are spending two hundred dollars per visit to the merchandise store, which is not unreasonable because it's you know that's very expensive. But you know if it's very expensive stuff and it's a destination, so you know maybe people buy like Usher, but some people come in and stock up. That's still like. 50 purchases per day i was like thinking through the way this works like in an hour it's like you know there's almost like a line all day long of people like buying stuff so and i'm, I'm curious obviously he hasn't mentioned any of this too but um i'd be fascinated to know what the bargains are both for the whole because i imagine some of them he doesn't even really make any money on they're loss leaders and i imagine there's some piece of this that's massive i think john you're correct the long-term wealth play of course is you know as always the the real estate play We'd like to thank Planet Fitness for sponsoring today's show. Yes, thank you. To our sponsors, Planet Fitness, Offland, and White Claw. This has been Gym World Worldwide, Planet Land.
It has been a pleasure bringing you the news. Tune in next week.